Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Thursday Night Live with your host Jacob Copride on SEFC Fan TV. On tonight's show, we'll be looking back. It feels like a tad while since we've been on air on a Thursday night. We'll be looking back at the nil-nil draw we picked up away at Swansea City and also the recent 3-1 win over Birmingham City at the Stadium of Light um, on Saturday. Just gone. Uh, joining me on the show this evening, uh, we have got the man mistake. Terry, how you doing, mate? Yeah, champion, thanks. Happy days. Looking forward to England and International Weekend, of course, like everybody is. Yeah, not too bad. <laughs> also joining me and Terry, we have got um, the man who loves following Sunderland home and away over the course of the season, Mr Jack Shields. Jack, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. Jake, I'm very, very pleased to be back on. We've missed a week, so there's plenty to talk about. Um, but yeah, we've uh, four, picked up four points since our last podcast and uh, plenty of talking points. So yeah, looking forward to it. <clears throat> And complete in tonight's lineup, we have got Mike. Uh, Mike, how's things going, mate? It's been a while. It has been a while. It feels like it's been ages. It feels like we've already had an international break, and now we've got to have a break. So. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> Madness. Uh, don't forget that tonight's uh, live stream is sponsored by the football manufacturer, um, shirt manufacturer, Toffs. Uh, link in the description um, if you fancy a browse at some classic football shirts and also don't forget the live chat is open tonight if you want to put forward any questions towards the panel uh, but also mainly don't forget to like share and subscribe to SAFC Fan TV so uh, we're gonna go back in time a little bit before uh, the 3-1 win against Birmingham starting off tonight with that 0-0 draw against Swansea City we did predict on our last show that it would be a tough trip going down there considering our poor run of form we've had over at Liberty Stadium the past uh, couple of years. I think it was one win we've had at Swansea in about the last 20 or 30 years. Um, that includes the previous home they were at uh, before the Liberty Stadium. But a nil-nil draw we picked up. But Terry, based on the, how the game panned out, um, Swansea played the majority of it with 10 men. Um, a 30th minute red card for Charlie Patino and we simply couldn't break break him down. We had to settle for a point. Yeah, but I mean, going into the game, we all knew it was going to be a difficult game and me, me head was like thinking, oh, we're probably going to go down there and get beat because we haven't done well down there for a while. Like the last time we beat them was when Jimmy Andy Force scored a hat-trick. So I was kind of half expecting us to get beat, even though my predictions always a win. I was still kind of half expecting us to get beat, but the way we played the game, even with 11 versus 11, I thought we were the better side. And we took the game to Swansea and I, I was like, pretty impressed with the way we were playing you know that game of football i thought we could have won that game with 11 versus 11 but then when obviously when it goes down to 10 versus 11 then all they do is put you know bodies behind the ball and just defend for their lives and you have to give credit where credit's due you know we tried our best you know we went off we tried our best Rushen's just coming into into the start 11 now so he's finding his feet and it, when you've got that many defenders behind the ball You've got to try and break them down, and we tried our best, but Swansea were that good in defence, and sometimes you've got to say well done to the other team. I was, I was disappointed. I was disappointed not to get a, to get three points. You kind of you got to expect you expect like sixty minutes to, to beat the team with ten men, and we can't. It's a matter of thinking. Well, it's a matter of time before we scored a goal. And then at half time, they got the penalty just before half time. I thought this is just pretty typical Sunderland. This we got down with ten men, and we let a goal in. But Patterson did a fantastic save. So overall, you know. On the whole, look at the whole point situation before the game, you would say a point's a decent point. But looking back at the game itself, after the game, I was disappointed to only walk away with the point. Yeah, I mean, you summed it up there, there well, Terry. Obviously, 
forgetting me forgetting also that that penalty save from Patterson right on half time, Luke 09. A really, really stupid decision to make right on half time, uh, pulling the lad to the floor inside the box. But Patterson, it, it's record at penalty, penalty saving now is pretty decent in terms of since we got back into this league. I think it's, I don't remember, I think he saved more than um, he's conceded. I mean, Terry, you might be able to correct me on that. I think it probably has, but I mean, go to the penalty itself. I mean, I don't understand what Luke or Nine was actually doing, dragging his man down. I mean, you cannot really get all of the play and just drag him to the ground in the box when the ball's nowhere near. So it's a blatant penalty. We had no complaints whatsoever. It was just lucky Patterson was up to the challenge of saving the day for Luke or Nine. Jack, before we come to you on our nil-nil draw at Swansea, um, first glance at tonight's live chat, Lee and Brennan, FTM, um, obviously you, Jackie Shields, thank you so much for commenting tonight. Hi, lads. Uh, Ryan McCormack, evening, lads. Uh, Emma Hansen, evening, lads. Hope you're OK. Um, yes, I've received uh, the post. You've tagged me and I'll get back to you on that after the show. And also David Edwards, evening, or James Copley, um, a fellow um, fan's favourite of the channel and also... Um, Iconic Sunderland Echo journalist. Have a good show, lads. Jack, um, the nil-nil draw. Disappointing considering we couldn't break a 10-man side down for the majority of the game. But it's always a positive to keep a clean sheet away from home and pick up a point against a side that we've not had the best of records. Not had the best record, I should say, over the years. Yeah, I think... Um, I think- to be honest, a point looking back now, now it was sandwiched in between two home wins, Norwich and Birmingham. I don't think anybody's too too concerned. I think I actually said it when we went through the run of three losses. I think I said I would take seven points out of the next nine, two home wins and an away draw, and that's how it's panned out. So I'm satisfied. That would have been lovely if we could have got the win and made it three in a row, but it wasn't to be. Moving on to the game itself, I actually was very, very happy with the way that we started. Um, we, were, we were the team in the ascendancy, weren't we? We had... We had all of the ball and you know it was just a matter of time before we scored and then unfortunately the red card changed the whole complexity of the game because then you know what Swans are going to do Swans are going to sit in they're going to try and catch us on the counter-attack it's going to be can we break them down and unfortunately we couldn't um, I agree with what Terry says with a penalty Luke or nine stupid it's another rash moment from Luke he has them quite often and this one he didn't get away with uh, and it really if that had gone in we would have been absolutely furious at having all the ball and dominating the match and actually coming away with no points but thankfully Patterson saved our saved our skin. We come away with a nil-nil draw. You still felt a little bit flat, didn't you? Because you were just you kept. I was I was actually down there. I kept saying it's coming, it's coming. You know what I mean? There's, there's one going to go in. We're going to get a scrappy deflection, and it just it just never quite happened. We'll probably play worse this season and win games than that. In fact, we probably have already. So no problem with the performance. It's just could we break them down? We couldn't. But it was a red card. Uh, I felt because I mean the lads. He's he's put in two. Really difficult challenges. I know that the second one, yeah, slightly harsh, but I think it's silly when you're on a yellow to do that. And it was a penalty, so I can't be too critical of the referee, uh, but just really frustrating because before the game, you would have taken a point. I certainly would have, but after half an hour, when you know you're going to be playing the next hour against 10 men, you really want to go on and win the game, given how much of the play we had. And it just, it didn't quite happen, but um, point wasn't the end of the world. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um also, I want to mention, Jack, um, about a player who's found his way into the starting lineup recently, which is Rushin. Um, there are signs that he's he's getting there in terms of finding the back of the net. He missed um, a big chance in the first 45. 
at Swansea with a lovely through ball from Bellingham. He just couldn't quite hit the target, but he's, he's making those runs into those key areas. And for me, looking back, I don't know if you agree with me on this. Second half, I think the first substitution of that game, um, I'm not sure. I don't think it was him that came off for him, but Hamir was the first sub to come on. It felt like in terms of the striker Hamir is, we had to tweak the way we played a little bit in order to accommodate him. He likes balls into the box and Ruthin likes runs in behind. Did, did you... So there was some of the posts on social media saying that it was a mistake taking Ruchin off. What would you like to, to say on that one? Well, I agree with you on styles of play. Absolutely, Ruchin, someone who's he's a, he's better at making the runs. He's better at stretching the defenders. You know, um, Semedo, Hamir looks like a little bit more of a physical player, maybe a bit more holding up and ball in front and then working around him. But I think the problem was because Swansea was so deep with the 10 men, I don't know if Ruchin would have actually got in behind that many times. Swansea were quite deep and protecting the back, the, the protecting the point, sorry, with a back four, back five at times. So I don't know if Ruchin would have got that many balls in behind. And I've just checked. I, I didn't know this off, off by heart, but I think he was on a yellow as well, Jacob. So I don't know if that was mm. coming, into, uh, coming into Mowbray's mind, potentially might, you know, pull somebody back or something that were down to 10. So I, I would personally speak in Ruchin over Semedo at the minute, you know, for, from, from a normal game. But I just think it was the way that the game was going with Swansea playing so deep. I can sort of understand... <laughs> Mowbray maybe bringing on Semedo, maybe to hold the ball up and, and lay it off a little bit and, and bring others into play. Um, it didn't work because obviously we didn't get the goal, but I, I, can, I can sort of understand what he was what he was trying. Yeah, I mean, I sort of agree with you in a way in terms of us trying to play in behind them in the first half. Obviously, that chance that Roberts had, it was brilliantly tipped onto the post, but and also another sub that came on, um, Abdullah Bar hitting the crossbar as well. We, we did sort of try and embed Hamir, um, into that false nine role. But I think, judging by the way he plays, he prefers balls going into the box. And there were periods second half where Pritchard was on the left-hand side. He was eyeing up shots at goal rather than lifting the ball into him, which I think was a bit frustrating to see. I think if we'd stuck with the way we played first, I think we would have had more clinical chances to win the game. But it wasn't to be, unfortunately. And it's listen, it's a point in a clean sheet away from home and uh, it was one of those days unfortunately and listen we'll probably have another one of them this season but we'll we'll repeat that with a positive performance the week after so but only time will tell only time will tell uh, Mike um, before we come to you um, another glance at the live chat David Edwards um, evening all um, I think I've read that one out I do apologise Robert McGregor evening lads um, HWTL, uh, James Copley, um, iconic. Your check is in the post. Thank you very much, sir. And Telly Equa is lacking pace and underperforming lately. Um, it'll be up for debate. We'll come back to that one um, a little bit later on. Mike, uh, the Swansea result and performance. Uh, would you agree with uh, Terry and Jack the fact that Swansea going down to ten it made the task just a tad harder in terms of the way we like to play and break them down? It's, it seems, yeah, it seems like we can't get on mentally around that for some reason. It should have been an easier task. But on paper, the stats, um, it's disappointing not to win that game when you've had 25 shots and you've had like 70-odd percent possession. You've doubled the amount of passes that Swansea's made successfully. You know, So on paper, that's where it becomes a disappointment. 
at the start of the game and I took a draw because I think we're cursed with the Welsh teams and I was expecting to lose, to be fair. So mm. a, a, a point is good. I'm happy with a point, but when they go down to 10 and you perform as well as you are and it's just that finished product, that's when it becomes a disappointment. Mm. Jack, were you wanting in there, mate? Yeah, I mean, we've talked on, you know, how, how well we played and how we're a little bit disappointing. I think sometimes as well, sometimes it's a bit of a cliche, but you need a little bit of luck as well. And I think sometimes to hit the bar three times on another on another day, one of those goes in, doesn't it? You know what I mean? You're unlucky if you, if you have three good chances and everyone hits the crossbar. You know, on another day that goes in, we win the game 1-0. And everything's happy. Everybody's happy. You say it's a great three points. So a little bit of bad luck as well on the day. I think if we play, if we play like that nine times out of ten, we'd probably get the win. It was just unfortunate that we couldn't break them down. But yeah, we were, I think we were a tad unlucky as well. I thought uh, you know one of those one of those would have dropped in and would have been a great one 0 win. But uh, like you say, it wasn't wasn't quite to be. Yeah, I mean, Mike, back to you in terms of Mowbray's managerial tactics second half in terms of bringing the subs on to try and change the game. Do you reckon he he couldn't have done any more than what he did in the, in order to break Swansea down? I mean, looking at the changes, he changed substitutions rather, he did bring onto the pitch. Second half, we had Dak Pritchard, Bar, Samedo and Sirkin. The main ones that were left out were Ashish and Burstow. But really, was it a case of we, we just ran out of steam? And also he was the main sole reason for the substitutions we made was because of the players we had on the yellow cards. And sadly, the two players that were booked in that game, they missed the Birmingham game, which was Luke Nine and Dan Ballard. But we'll come on to that later. We did cope pretty pretty well without them. Um, yeah. in the, game. the yellow cards can obviously take a... Can, could be part of that decision, but I don't think it was that strong a game where a player couldn't just ease off a bit. You know what I mean? It was when when you're outnumbering them as well. It shouldn't have been hard for like Rusin not to put in a tackle and get a second yellow. So I don't think that's, I think the decision the subs he made was a lot more trying to get something out of the game, trying to make most, make the most of the extra man, which we don't seem to be able to do. And I think players like Pritchard going in there, you'd think he'd have the ability to do that and bar can be an absolute menace when running at teams. So I think he made the right decisions in trying to get some out of it, putting more attacking players on like that. Mm, absolutely. Um, before we go on to Saturday's win, uh, back to winning ways for SAFC, uh, 3-1 win at home to Birmingham, Wayne Rooney's Birmingham City. Um, uh, another comment that's been put in on the live chat tonight, uh, John Nesbitt, uh, evening lads. So I hope you will join this evening too. Um, 9.07 subscribers we've got at the minute. So if you haven't subscribed to the channel, please hit the big subscribe button and don't subscribe to SAFC Fan TV and 17 people have liked tonight's uh, live stream so if you hit the thumbs up we always aim to get 100 likes it'll be very much appreciated so um, Saturday just gone early kickoff once again it feels like um, we're raking them in uh, this season in terms of early kickoffs and we've got a few more as well Terry you want an in before we come on to, to yeah, Birmingham before we go into that game let's pull out Samido right do you think that Samido was not even ready up to, up to the challenge for like a physical game I don't think he's anywhere near physically enough for the size of the lad he is well so for bringing what... him on for the Swansea game is, is I think I think for me that's probably the final time that I think Tony Moore will use him in that sense I think for me next season maybe more Samido season if he's going to be any good What's surprising, I think in the build-up to that Swansea game, Terry, didn't 
Mowbray in his presser sort of slate Samido a little bit, saying that there was attitude problems there. He'd been turning up late for training a few times, turning up late for meetings, but he was the first substitution that came on in the game. So he must have seen something decent in him in training that week in order for him to be the first sub coming on. But I, I do agree in a sense, you know, he, for me, he doesn't put himself about enough and he doesn't bust the gut to get into the areas where he wants the ball, which is... Do you, not think, that, do you think the Slayton thing was a way to see whether or not he could sort of react to it yeah, a little bit? I think so. And then bring him on for that. Side, yeah. Yeah, what other lads think. I mean, what do you two think about him? Do you think he's physically ready yet or not? It is a good debate. Jack, we'll start with you, mate, on that one. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen much of him, so it's, it's sometimes hard to give a judgment on a player that you've not seen that many minutes of. I know what you mean, though. I think you, you come on and you, you see his athleticism and his physique, and you think, oh, here we go. He's going to be tearing into defenders. He's going to be backing into them, holding the ball up. And he doesn't seem like he's that's his style or either either that is his style and he just isn't used to the, the the way that we play yet I don't know but he needs to offer more I agree I think he needs to come on and show a little bit more show that he's he's capable of being a, our, our main striker because at the minute I'd have Rushin firmly ahead of him but you know uh it's 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 a difficult one because you know we're not a team that we're a team that's not used to having that sort of strike are we I mean we play for God knows how long without a striker so it's almost adapting our play to, to, to having somebody in that role, aren't we? So it, he might be learning, the team might be learning to try and play with the striker as well. I know it seems silly, you know, because how can a team not 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 know how to play with a centre-forward? But, yeah, he, he definitely has to show more, I think. But who knows about his fitness? Is he fully fit, though? Is he 100% fit at the minute? Do we know? Is, is that still coming? Or? I mean, he's played a lot of under-23 matches, and I don't think I've, I've watched them. I don't think he puts his body on the line there either. He doesn't seem to be putting sort of a full shift in. I don't know whether that's just his style or whether it just was, it's his new it's first season. He's still young, and he might mature more next season. So I'm not quite sure, personally. I mean, first season playing in England is always going to be a shock to the system for anyone his age. But... Mike, what is your thoughts on it? Do, do you reckon there's more behind the scenes going on into why Semedo's not involved as much as we would have hoped this season, considering his performances we saw in pre-season? I think it's the wrong attitude to have as a player anyway. Even if you are not starting, you should think you should be starting and stuff like that. You earn that place. You look at players that are sat on the bench and when they come off, they work their, you know, they work their socks off. It just doesn't seem like he wants it half the time. He doesn't seem up for it or interested. Whereas, like, I mean, especially when he's got competition for places now, it's not like we've only got one or two options. Meander coming back, is he looks brilliant compared to him. Uh, you know, he's he's slowly, so he does drop like, down to fourth, fifth pick for me at the moment. Mm. Yeah, and obviously we'll come on to Meander. Um, I mean, Mowbray has said in, in his press conferences recently, out of the four that he's got Meander is the one he wants um, fully fit for the games we've got coming up. So it indicates he will be involved a lot in the coming weeks. And I know Rushin is just about finding his feet at the moment. I think a goal would help in order to, for him to keep his place in the side. But I think the signs that Meander showed coming off the bench against Birmingham on Saturday definitely indicates that he's the best in terms of quality out of the four forwards we've currently got right now. But back on to uh, the win. 
um, against Birmingham at the weekend. Obviously, the big changes were at centre-half. Um, suspensions to Dan Ballard and Luke O'Nine forced us to give first home league starts to Jason Seelt. And was it Nectar Triantis? I think that's his name. Um, starting as a centre-back pairing. But that wasn't the original plan. Um, Dennis Serkin, who has just come back from a hamstring injury, was meant to start alongside Jason Seal. I'm not sure it was either left-back with Hume playing alongside Seal or Serkin playing alongside Seal at centre-half. But for me, I think it was that one, considering Serkin has played centre-half before. But it's his hamstring once again. Um, it pulls up in the warm-up. Um, I think a lot of people didn't realise until the game kicked off, considering Serkin's name was mentioned on the screen in the stadium. But in terms of how they did as a pair, uh, Jack, we'll start with you. Triantis and Seal following Serkin's ab absence, apart from the goal we conceded, did you think they had a pretty comfortable afternoon, would you say? I wouldn't say they were comfortable, but I thought there were it was less uh, they conceded less chances and and uh, and opportunities than I thought. I mean, everybody would have said the same as me when we heard that both Ballard and O Nine were out. I mean, I've been critical of O Nine, but he does have his place in the team. You know what you're going to get from him, um, and and also not just the fact that um, that it's first choice. You know, the fact you've lost two together. I mean, if you lose one or the other, Ballard or O Nine, you, you can sort of say, well, at least we haven't lost both of them. But to lose both of them in one game. It throws everything all up in the air. So I thought they, I, I thought they looked, they had height, which we don't have in a lot of the team. You know, they were good aerially. I thought they were physical. I was a bit worried at them turning and running in behind, though, because they, they looked tall, but they didn't look the quickest. Mm -hmm. I thought that we might have a bit of trouble if Birmingham got in behind. But thankfully, I think they only did that once or twice, and, and once was the goal. Um, so yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't comfortable saying, oh, you know, it, they're never going to score because you've always got that doubt, haven't you? But I thought they did better than expected. I thought we were going to be be lucky to concede, you know, less than less than you know two or three. I thought we were in for a, a difficult difficult afternoon, but um, yeah, I thought I thought I thought they did okay, better than I better than I would have expected. Mm, yeah, couldn't agree more, mate. Um, Mike, before we come to you um, regarding Triantis and Seal that started um, at home in a league game for the first time, back onto the live chat to David Jobling, evening lads, John Nesbitt, when we get our long term injury. Uh, midfield uh, general I think you think not sure he means generally generally back I think we will only get better he is a big miss sitting in there he'll become the captain again when he finally gets on the pitch um, he's talking about Corey <laughs> Evans is, is it Corey Evans he's speaking about I'm, yeah, I'm getting Evans, there yeah. I, yeah, so. I, I don't think he's back to, is it till the new year at least after, after, after the new year yeah yeah, considering how serious his injury was that he picked up at home to Borough last season. Yeah, Mike, um, Triantis and Seal starting as a centre-back pair. For me personally, I think it was Birmingham's lack of quality in the final third that allowed them to have a comfortable game. Like Jack said, there was only a few occasions where they got in behind them. I mean, Triantis, I think, didn't track his, his man Um well enough for the goal that we conceded even though Equa did give the ball away in the build-up it wasn't the best of games from Equa there was a point made in the live chat about that um, but he will bounce back um, fully I think he needs it considering he's come back from injury um, only recently but yeah back on to Seal and Triantis overall I mean it's, it's a positive in terms of attacking set pieces but if you're up against sides with pace it's not the first choice pair I would say we go with um, on a defensive point of view, also considering the fact we've got Alessi to come back in as well. 
Yeah, I don't think they lack ability-wise. I mean, both of them, obviously, don't have much max practice at this level at the moment, you know. Um, but what was missing was leadership at the back. That was the problem. Um, every time there was a moment of like, Ugh, with the defence, it was always a case of that would be something... If, if Ballard was out, or nine would do. If nine was out, Ballard would do. But just to position the other defenders, just to say, oi, back here, oi, that's your man. You know, there was just that lack of leadership and communication, I think, which you can't blame them for. They have been thrown in the deep end there. But again, you are even if you're on the bench, you should be playing at this level. So the ability, not bad. Um, Triantis especially. I mean, he, he did his work to get into contribute towards one of the goals. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, I think they did okay ability wise, but there was a lack of leadership across the back four. That was the biggest issue. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like, um, considering they kept a clean sheet in the last game, that Ballard and 09 will be back in for that Plymouth game. But it yeah. was good to see Triantis and Seal get a run out at least. I was um, a bit disappointed that we didn't adapt because playing out short didn't work with them. No, they weren't as good playing out short, and we should have adapted to that quicker. Yeah, yeah and and got the long ball. So, yeah, I mean Mowbray won't change on that. I mean, I think they adapted as the game went on, but I think they definitely struggled in the first half, and I think they sensed an opportunity in that, and they they obviously got their goal through high pressing, but overall. I would say it was a strange game overall. I think didn't think we were fully, in terms of how we moved the ball and created chances, fully at our best. I've seen us play better. I think it was definitely a better performance in the last home game against Norwich. But I think in terms of um, the lack of quality Birmingham have and then being a side who are in a poor run of form at the minute, we, like Norwich, we were able to take advantage of that and... Um, there was a, a point made on social media, particularly about um, the improvement um, at home um, so far this year. I think at home last season, we only won about seven or eight times. And I think now we've picked up five wins already. So it's gradually getting there, but we're, only time will tell as the season goes on um, in terms of <coughs> significant improvement um, at the Stadium of Light. Um, the game itself... I mean, um, we went ahead um, with Joe Bellingham. Um, it was a, a set piece, a flick on, and then Bellingham found found space in the box to tap in. They obviously equalised. Um, Equa giving the ball away, and I f- can't remember the lad's name um, who's got the goal. Uh, my yeah, my Miyoshi. I think yeah, Miyoshi. That was a decent finish. Triantis should have done better to track him, and then second half. Birmingham simply ran out of steam, um, but go- goals from set pieces, Terry. You know that's a positive. Um, a short corner routine work second half for Triantis to get in there. It went off Sanderson in the end, but also um, uh, the first goal we got from Bellingham as well. Well worked. Well, I'll go back to the defence, and uh, I thought the likes of Triantis and, and, and Slate both started off, you know, slowly. And as the game went on, they got into the game. And I thought the second half, they played a lot better. Now, I thought Hume and Huggins up their game a little bit because they were more like the captains at the back trying to sort of marshal the defence more. And it was more difficult being on the left and the right rather than being in the middle. So I thought them two were a little bit more dominating, shouting as well. 
was one occasion where Patterson rolled the ball out, and I think Jensen had his back to Patterson and was just like running away, and they didn't realise there was no communication there. Now I want to say more from Patterson as in like shouting. That's the thing that I think out of all the game, like I like from Patterson, I think that, that he lacks a bit, bit more authority in the box. I'm saying barking out orders and shouting at his defence a bit more. I know it's difficult if it's not your personality, but sometimes you just got to up your game. And I think in that situation with those two new defenders, I wanted to say maybe a little bit more from him, even though he had a great game towards the end. So I think the I think the both both performed. Considering what I've seen them in the under twenty threes and what I've seen bits and pieces of them, I thought I was very surprised. You know how they, they adapted after the first twenty minutes quite well, and, and as the second half went on, they got better and better. And I thought you know themselves really some real good justice. And I feel confident in the pair of them. If we did lose one of the other two, that they could actually step in and, and do a half decent job. But yeah, it was we, we started the game great. We hit the post. I think I think Rushen, that for me, that's Rushen's best game of the season so yeah, far. Yeah, much improved the, the assist for Job. So he's getting better and better. Just needs a, a bit of break, a little bit of break for a good goal. Like any, any, like like a, a deal, deal, a deal, did just knock one in really close. That's what that's all Rushen wants to get get himself going. So I, I thought, you know, the first twenty minutes we played really well. Then you have to give credit to Birmingham. Birmingham upped the game a little bit because they have a good side. I mean, they, they, got, they were in sixth place before Rooney came in, so a decent side. And they had one or two chances, got the equalising goal. They could have even got in front at some point. But then we turned it around the second half and we really upped our game again. Mm. The worrying thing is right now, watching that game, is without Jack Clark, that that team in terms of creativity is struggling for me. I mean, Roberts, obviously we'll touch on that a bit later. He signed a new two-year contract this week, but there's not enough threat on that right-hand side for me. And the problem... Yeah. Sorry, the problem with Roberts is, right, is that he's always been one who wants to keep hold of the ball a lot, a lot longer than and take shots and try and score. And he, he's passing sort of assists. It's always sort of being sort of second. I think he wants to, we say ball greedy at a worse term, right? But I think they've been used to not having strikers in the box over a long period of time. They've been used to having to do a lot of work themselves and going for shots. But I think Jack Clark's adapted more at this moment in time than Patrick Roberts has. So Jack Clark's got more in his locker. He, he can get the ball across. He realises the strikers in the box. Roberts just needs to adapt his game more. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Jack, we'll come on to you in a sec. John Nesbitt, he's put um, in the live chat, the Birmingham game. Did we really need to be in top gear? I don't think so. We were playing with 10, 10 men as Equa for me. Um, was hopeless. Um, he's a great prospect for me and everyone. He's had a hot an off day. Would you say that's to do with um, him just finding his feet in terms of coming back from injury or do you think it was just um, a case of, you know, Birmingham did put a high press on him? Uh, I think Equer, he, he was definitely off colour on Saturday. Um, he gave mm. the ball away so many times. It was like he wasn't concentrating. Um, and he, he won it back a couple of times by putting in a great last-ditch challenge, but it was normally because he'd given it away. So I'll hope, hopefully that'll just be the, the one-off. You know what I mean? Hopefully it's not a bad run of form. All players can have one bad game. Don't know whether it was because Birmingham was sort of nipping it round him and playing it round him. And that, like you say, you mentioned, you know, maybe forced him into it a few times, but it was like his vision was poor as well because he was like he, he was picking out players on the far side a couple of times and he overhit one and he underhit another and it was like. There was one in the second half. He picked out somebody on the right wing, whether it was Patrick Roberts or not, I don't know. And it was like 20 yards away from where he was intending. I'm not sure what went on there. So 
all players have, have bad games. And what I thought the key aspect for me of, of the whole game really was half time came at a really good time for us, didn't it? Because we went in front, Birmingham got level one one. And they were all over us for about ten or fifteen minutes, if you remember, and before the before the half time whistle went. And I was thinking we need to get a half time here, one one, and come out and have a regroup because I was sure we were going to be better. I mean, Birmingham were probably playing at their maximum there, and they were all over us. And I thought there's, there's going to be something, you know, changes in the second half. And thankfully, second half that was as good as it got for them, and we upped it. But really, I think you know it, it was a good time to have half time. If you know what I mean, it came at a really good time because they were starting to get on top. And it was starting. The game was starting to change, wasn't it? And uh, you could hear a few murmurings in the crowd, and you know it was just starting to change. So was that one they had off the line, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they had one off the line, and they went close again after the goal. That they very nearly went two one in front. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a really good win. I thought it was deserved. Other than that, fifteen minutes before half time, I thought we, we, we overall we deserved the win. Um, and yeah, I think. You mentioned Patrick Roberts as well. I know I'm talking quite a lot, but um, Patrick Roberts, I think Roberts sometimes he's he's more of a dribbler. I mean, Jack Clark's good at kicking the ball out of his feet and running, running onto shots and you know, getting the pulling the trigger quickly. You never really see Patrick Roberts do that, do you? He always wants like a couple of quick, nice knee touches and then you know, maybe a, a bit of a, a trick and he uses his footwork more. He doesn't, he's not someone who gets the ball out of his feet and puts in a cross or has a shot. So I think that's one aspect that I would like Patrick Rob to start doing a little bit more because he's excellent on the ball, but sometimes he just he, he takes that extra little touch next to his feet rather than maybe getting it out of his feet a little bit more and putting a ball in or even having a shot, you know. Uh, and, and he does hang on for too long. So I think if, if I was Mowbray, I, I would tell Patrick Roberts, look, look and see what Jack Clark's doing and maybe try mm. that a little bit more and mix it up a little bit. That, that's, that's what I would yeah. do. I mean, I go... Obviously, with Robert signing a new two-year deal now, I mean performances have to be up for me. I think it's it's okay. From he's not been as good as what he was last season, but I've, I go back to I'm pretty sure this point was made earlier on in the season on one of these podcasts. Him on the pitch at the moment, he looks like a lost kid in a shopping centre in terms of he's always looking to make a pass to Ahmed Diallo, which he can't do anymore considering he's not there. And for me, he's he's struggling with a player who can be a good partner for him in terms of link-up play, adding creativity on that side rather than just relying on Clark through most of the game. But considering the position we're in, I can't complain. You know, back into sixth position, going into the international break, Jack Clark's been at, at the helm of that. For this. And if we were to lose him in January, it would be a massive, massive loss, but keep the faith and fingers crossed. You'll be able to stay till the end of the season, at least Mike, going back to the comment I made, you know, about Jack Clark relying on him a lot at this moment in time. And I mean, a lot, I mean, the strikers are not scoring. The has just been bedding in. It'll be interesting to see how that one pans out. But that left-hand side at the moment is, is our main threat right now. Yeah, I, I, I rate Robert, so I do think he's a good player. And I think the more Jack Clark is a threat to other teams, the more it's going to leave Roberts open. So we're going to see a lot more of him because we're going to have two, three men on Jack Clark a lot of the time. But in that Birmingham game, I don't think he was... Clark didn't show me much in the first half. The second half, he was unstoppable. The first half, if, if it was man of the match, would be you know it would be Rusin. The second half was Clark. It was it was it was a player of two different halves completely. So I don't know if anyone agrees with that, but it's just it didn't seem there for the first half. 
Yeah, it's 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 difficult. I mean, the way how Clark plays, I mean, I'm pretty sure Mowbray encourages this as well. It's it's save your energy for the second half when you're able to pick off back lines and fullbacks that are feeling tiredness and look to take advantage of that by making runs into the box, which he did for the previous home game against Norwich winning the penalty. But he well, gets as soon as, as soon as Laird got a yellow card, he had a free pass to run. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, he had a field of a day. He knew that he was able to take advantage of that. But I was watching that game, I was very, very impressed in terms of how we were getting the ball into the box a lot more effectively this time. And obviously the corner routine worked for the first goal, but the the ball into the box from Roberts and the header back into the I think it was Trey Hume who put it back into the mix for Triantis. Brilliantly well worked, and um, Clark again, fantastic. You know, on the left hand side, pulling it back for a sheesh with a tap in it. It just feels like Rushin needs one of those type of goals, like what Terry said, in order for him to just build that confidence up a little bit more. But um, a player who um, was able to get the captain's armband in the Birmingham game following the absence of Luke 09 was Dan Neal. Um, Dan Neal, such such a consistent performer this season. You know, for me, he was, he was brilliant against Birmingham um, on Saturday. You know, n- didn't put a foot wrong. You know, always looking to provide creativity. Jack, how, how do you think he did? Yeah, really, really good as always. As you say, Mr Consistent, you know what you're going to get from Dan Neal and he's getting better all the time, isn't he? I mean, he's, his ability on the ball is getting better. He's picking the right options all the time with passes. Um, I think it's only a, a matter of time. I think if we, if we sort of nail down that defensive midfield position and we get him a solid, solid player, like it might be Equa if he develops into that. But And, and Daniel has a bit more opportunity to roam forward. I think it's only a matter of time before he starts getting goals and assists to his name. Do you know what I mean? I think because that's the only that's the only thing that, you know, he could probably improve on because his technical ability is there. Um, you know, he, he, he's, he can pass a ball. You know, you rarely see him give the ball away. Uh, and he's energetic. He gets up and down the pitch, doesn't he? So I think that's the only thing, you know, with Daniel is how can he add to that? How can he add to... You know, facet of the game like you know Jack Clark's got you know scoring goals and assists, but um, yeah, he, you know he, he's brilliant, and um, hopefully you know he can continue and get better and better. I mean, if if this is what he's like now, you know, God knows what he's going to be like in a couple of years. He's uh, yeah, he's, he's just he's not. Before we come on to your man of the matches for that Birmingham game, I'll read out a couple of comments on tonight's live chat but before we come on to that um 71 people now watching only 37 likes so far and if you are watching please hit the thumbs up button at the bottom of the screen and also most importantly hit the iconic subscribe button uh we're aiming to get uh to 10,000 subscribers at this moment in time um comments on live chat peter harvey the championship is an unpredictable league second position or playoffs take one game at a time another international break keep safe and healthy guys and Sunderland fans. Thank you very much, Peter. Uh, John Nesbitt, spot on Jack regarding Patrick Roberts. Uh, Jim Nesbitt, Equa was under par, but he's still coming back from an injury. Hopefully he'll be back to his best after the international break. Uh, Liz, uh, believe, I think that's how you pronounce your surname. Jack Clark doesn't like 12.30 kickoffs. He always sleeps through the first half and wakes up for the second one. Not a bad comment to make, to be fair. Um, John Nesbitt, he's comparing uh, Clark. He's a bit like... Chris Waddle, um, 
He only needs a 10-15 minute spell to destroy teams. Very dangerous player indeed. Tony Huntington, we'd love to see Roberts and Clark swap uh, during the odd game um, just for a different attack, um, especially when we're struggling to break a team down. Uh, Keto King UK, 37 likes, 75 in. Hit that thumbs up. Like I said, um, if you haven't already, and Brandon, hello lads, how's everyone's week been? Um, yeah, mine's been okay, Brandon. Uh, thank you very much for checking in. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone else's week's been um, okay. Yeah, Mike's not in. <laughs> yeah, right. we all seem fine, Brandon. We all seem fine, mate. Um, Terry, um, your man of the match for the Birmingham City win, mate. All right, I'll tell you what, mate. I watched Clark closely in the second half. Um, the Triantos goal, he got a cross and I think it came off Sanderson's arm and, and changed direction, so it was given a normal goal, I think. Um, Ashish goal, Jack Clark started outside of the penalty box, waved his way in, and the defenders just look shit scared. They just don't want to put a foot in, I don't want to put a challenge in. He could just wave his, wave his magic down the side. There was three of them, I think, around him at one point. So I think that's, he did well there. But I can buy a man of the match. I originally yeah. thought Hume, but I've watched the game back again. I think Huggins had a great game, so I'll give it to Huggins. Mm, Huggins did very well. But one thing I will say about Hume... And he that, deserves his Welsh cap. Yep, absolutely. He's been called up to the Welsh uh, national squad recently. That tackle that, going back to Trey Hume, that tackle he made in the first half when Birmingham were on the break, that was brilliant to see, wasn't it? That's one thing and to also, get I you. Think Huggins, was Huggins off the line? One one thing then, Dee, there's some of us putting heavy tackles in, isn't it? We, we all love it. Um, but no, just going on to what Terry's saying, just to touch on what Terry says, I agree with him completely about him. I think you're looking at Clark and he commit, he gets into the box and he commits defenders. Now, that's my one criticism of Patrick Roberts. As good as a footballer he is, how often do you actually see Patrick Roberts get the ball and go into the box? You don't see very often. He's very good at dribbling around the box and bringing the ball on from the wing, you know, uh, towards the box. But you don't really see him that much actually going into the box and committing defenders or putting a ball across or even having the odd shot. For me, he doesn't do that very much. So I think that's one thing that you could pick up on, on from Jack Clark, just being a bit more direct and attacking the box and attacking and committing defenders. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so Terry's given man the match to Niall Huggins. Um, yeah, Niall Huggins is a player definitely who's come into his own this season. We're finally getting to see the player that he is considering. He's been so unlucky of injuries the last two years. And the player for me that's taken that curse off him has been Dennis Serkin. It's, it's unfortunate for him, but it's, it's that hamstring once again. You know, it, the guy just can't seem to stay fit at this moment in time. And Huggins, for me, he, he could be a shining light in that team this season. He's improving week by week. In terms of my man of the match, I thought Dan Neal was excellent once again. You know, Mr. Consistent this season. Without him, we definitely wouldn't be in the top six right now. You know, creativity, tracking back, you know, always finding the right pass, linking up well with the wide players. Um, another excellent performance from him. But, yeah, Jack, um, who would you say was your star man against Birmingham? Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with any any of the ones that's been mentioned. To be fair, I would just just to be different, I'd probably say Rushen. I thought, like you, you said earlier in the show, I thought he had his best game. I thought the only thing that was probably missing was him getting getting a goal. Came very very close to, didn't he? Um, but yeah, I thought it was a really good performance from him. Just to be different, I'd maybe give it to him. Hmm. 
Oh, do you Terry, think, you Do you all think as well, Huggins, the way Huggins is playing now, coming down the left-hand side, he really sort of is he's helping Jack Clark a lot as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult. Where was for me? Was Trey Hume? He was was he switching sides second half? I mean, was Huggins on his side rather than because for me, I I don't know what the best thing about Huggins. You can play on both sides. That that's the I best. I think Huggins on the left hand side making a fantastic run. He just like was just yeah. like powering down the left hand side and it, it just frees up Clark because all the players go towards Huggins. Yeah, but, you, but, if they don't go towards Huggins, then Huggins are going to free yeah. up. You would you say that, sorry, Jake? Sorry, you, you are going to need that, though, aren't you? Because, like, yeah. let's be honest, every time Jack Clark gets the ball, defend the other teams are doubling up. There's, there's sometimes two and even three men on him. So, if we can get Huggins on that overlap down the left hand side, there's one defender drawn away. Do you know what I mean? Sorry, Jacob. Yeah, <laughs> I think I've seen would him do say... two or three games now. He's done two yeah, or three I... games, he's come down the left hand side. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm struggling to know where he's. I mean, considering obviously left back, he's been outstanding recently, but. Don't forget that brilliant goal he scored against Watford on the other side as well. That's the best thing about having a player, a fullback like Huggins, playing on both sides and the pace he adds to that side as well. And like Jack said, the overlapping runs he's making is is very effective right now. And knowing when to make the overlap, particularly when he's on the same side as Clark. Mike, would you agree? Yeah, um, Huggins would probably be my default man of the match because I'd be torn between Rusin in the first half and Clark in the second half because I thought Rusin did absolutely brilliant that first half. I was very impressed. Not just, obviously, his shot that came close and the guy needs a goal, but what a workhorse. He got back and defended when he needed to. He was all over the place. He was heavily involved. And if he carries on like that, that was impressive. He's outshone Burstow already easily for me. Um, But, yeah. Because I'm torn between the two, Huggins would get it. Great goal line clearance. Always a good top performer. Mm. Uh, can I ask a question on the end of that? Just Go for quick, it. a quick one to everyone. Go what do it. you think of Jay Stansfield? Because we were rumoured to get him at one point. For me, all that was there was just pace in the final. Third. I think in terms of his finishing, yeah, it's, it's a bit question. I mean, he's still a player in the development stages, but would we have got more out of him compared to what is currently happening at Birmingham right now? It's debatable, but mm. for me, I've seen better strikers come up to our place this season. Dodge, dodge the bullet then. I thought you okay, I wouldn't be... I, wouldn't be I, wouldn't be I, him. Sorry. Mm. I think he might, even if we got him, it's debatable, what could may have... He might have been a squad player. I'm not sure he, he would have been a consistent starter. But yeah, um, I think I think the recruitment team have made better decisions personally. I think the ones that we have got in will come good eventually. Do you over- think at this moment in time, Burstall is better than Stansfield? <sighs> no, but I would say that. Do you think? Like, so I, I, I would say than- that. It, if Mienda was fit at the start of the season, he would have potentially been probably better than what Stansfield has been. That's my personal opinion. Mienda's been unlucky. I think out of the four we've got in, I think even Mowbray's hinted this, Mienda has got the best attributes in terms of quality as a striker. And we're going to come on to him next. What Mowbray says is Mienda's got a, a rocket in his foot. He's, he's, got the, he's the strongest shooter. 
out of the four of them, he's got some pace on his shot. And yes, he, he looked really good when he came on. I was really impressed. I didn't know anything about him whatsoever before I saw him in the game. And he was under 23s for, I think it was Saucier. And I just, I, I didn't, I didn't really sort of have an opinion. But at the same time, I wasn't building my hopes up at the end. But when he came on, wow, he proved uh, that he could be something in the future. Mm, it was that run he made towards Birmingham's goal and that rocket of a shot that went off John Ruddy and out for a corner. I think the fans were off their seat at this point thinking we've got ourselves some player um, to look forward to. Um, didn't we think, didn't after, we think that after, about Altador at one point? <laughs> What's that, Mike? Didn't we think that about Altador at one point? Just, just, just a sort ball. of striker, though. More <laughs> back-to-goal <laughs> physicality. I Altador scored against Chelsea, didn't he? Yeah, that's, that's about it. <laughs> three months to get his first league. Did he get any more, Terry, after that? He did when he, he went to abroad in America. In America. <laughs> he scored shitload in America. I could score in America, Terry. You could even get a, you could even get a goal in America, man. <laughs> people on the chat tonight going to pay for Jack's flight to the MLS. <laughs> uh, debatable what team he play for, though. Um, I think... David Beckham's looking for more people to join his his franchise over there. So Shields entering that. Who knows? Um, more comments on the live chat. Brandon, uh, would you put 09 back in? Would you or would you start Triantis? Uh, Mr. Bang on the drum. We Philly. Um, um, a former, well, still involved in some way, shape or form um, on SAFC and TV. Sounding good fellas listening whilst in the bath. Uh, Peter Harvey, Terry, um, it's a question for you, mate. Um, how were the South Shields strikers against Spennymore? I think South Shields will get into the National League very soon. They're, they're Not involved well, in Sunderland, but... <laughs> the, two, the two strikers that were for South Shields were born off Spennymore the season before because they've got South Shields are full-time, Spennymore is part-time. But yeah, it was, a, it was a kind of game. I enjoyed it. <laughs> was, was that just recent? Was that this week? Just on uh, Tuesday, uh, Blackest oh. scored a hat-trick. Blackest scored a hat-trick for South Shields. Yulio Arkel was there. So it was a canny game, yeah. So, But, you know, the, the full-time competitor, I'm hoping they get promoted. There's no reason why they won't get promoted to the, the conference. Mm, yeah, we wish, we wish, um, sorry, everyone at SAFC Fan TV wishes uh, Spenny Moore and South Shields all the best uh, this season. Uh, Jack Mienda, when he came on, um, on Saturday, definitely light at the end of the tunnel, would you say? Yeah, re really, really impressive. You just got a, a bit of a cameo appearance, didn't he? But um, really, really impressed when he came on. Uh, he looked sharp. He looked ready. Um, much better than I thought he was going to be. And yeah, I'm really, really interested to see him again. Um, we're starting to... We went from having no striking options at all. Now we've got two or three that are all sort of making a case, aren't they, to, to, to come on and play well. But... Uh, yeah, I thought I thought he looked really, really good. I mean, he was only on, I think, 15 minutes, wasn't he? But uh, he looked lively. And he got the crowd off the seats a little bit, didn't he? You know what I mean? Every time he got the ball, you were like, oh, you know, he had that athleticism. Oh, wow. yeah. You mentioned the shot he had on another day. You know, that goes in. But, uh, yeah, excited to see him more. I think um, I, I, we're always going to be like, oh, we expect that all the time. I think, you know, our fans are just going to have to realise it's sometimes OK to play well for 15 minutes and look good. But... There's nothing to suggest he's going to be like that every week, so don't expect too much of him. But I am interested to see how he how he plays when he gets sort of half an hour, then maybe half of a game, and then starts maybe. Mm. Mike, would you agree? 
Yeah, it's all right to have 15 minutes of a YouTube highlight reel um, for <laughs> player profiles, but, you know, like he says, it's got to be consistent. But he is give me optimism. And I think he looks a very strong physical player, not one of these strikers that's going to go down at a feather touch because that's my only flaw with Jack Clark. He goes down when sometimes he could stay on his feet and get something out of it. So a strong forward like that, I'm hoping, um, will do us a lot of good. And I think if we even got the chance to play two up front, him and Rusin could be the two as far as I'm concerned at the moment as things stand. But let's see how they fare over time. So you think that will be the future over the course of the season, us going with the two up there? I'd love to see it. I'm not sure we would, but I'd love to see it. Mm. I mean, with Mienda, when he came, it looked like... I mean, he always does this with Bar when he comes... He, he feels like Mowbray's always got a reason to put him up front for some way, shape or form. I mean, for me, I, I don't quite get it. I think he's more effective out wide and then cutting in on his left foot. And for me, Mienda, he was sort of, once again, playing in in sort of a false nine role, but it looked like he didn't mind that at all, the way he played. And I think it suited him with the pace he's got running in behind Terry wanting him. Yeah, I want to say that. Sheesh had a good game as well. He came on in the pair oh, yeah. come on together. It was like a real good boost for the side, wasn't it? Go back to the South Shields game. I finished spending me with two South Shields five. That was the best Northeast derby I've seen this season. Oh, wow. Hmm. In terms of quality of goals in that game, Terry, is there any players... To look out for young players that have got bright futures. No, I didn't. I didn't. I don't have any idea. To be fair, that's the guy in the in the chat. He'll know more about it than me. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Peter Harvey? I believe. Tell you, play for South Shields. Play for Spennymore. The lad that just left us. Or oh, I forget his name now. Um, Molyneux. No. No, the other one left last season. Will Will Harris. He plays for. Will he Harris. plays for Spennymore right. now. He scored eight goals in seventeen games. But I mean, yeah. It was so well marked. Well marked. Has this turned into a Northern League? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> international break podcast is a reason for it. <laughs> Mind you, spending me with a play on the ground like that. So, you know, when you run it down the hill, there's a lot of goals on that side. <laughs> Slope. <laughs> Slope pitch. Um, 78 people watching uh, the final part of tonight's live stream. Thank you very, very much for those watching tonight. Only 46 likes. Uh, please hit the thumbs up button um, if you haven't so already. We always aim to get um, 100 likes on every live stream that we do. Um, and also, most importantly, please hit the subscribe button. Um, please subscribe to SAFC Fan TV. Terry, you want to... What's your three your three opinions on that? Ashish, do you think he'll start at some point in the future? Mm. I hope so. Yeah, I think, I think he looks think classy so. as hell, mate. Every time he gets the ball, he just looks like a footballer, doesn't he? I know it's, it's such a cliche, but you can tell he's a player. Do you know what I mean? The way he, the way he carries himself on the pitch, he's balanced, he's, he's both footed. I think. Um, I think the only question mark I've got with him is physicality. Can he cope, can he cope with the physicality of the league? And can he is he up to playing regularly at this level? That's the only question mark because at the minute, every time I see him, he. I think he, there's something there with that lad. He, look, he looks top-notch to me, just my opinion. I mean, like the majority of our squad, I, I would say, we'll, with particular, particularly the foreign lads, we'll see the best of them next season if they stay on, of course. And I think Ashish, I mean, I hope it's not the case of what I'm going to say, but if Dan Neal was to leave and play at a higher level, which he's, he's on the right track to doing, whether we go up with him or someone signs him, him 
slotting into the Dan Neal role. He's got capability, but like Jack said, it's all about whether he'll be able to cope with the consistent run of games in this division and also the physical a- aspect playing in England as well. Mike, would you agree? I think he looks class. I think he looks brilliant. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's always going to be a case with us who goes in where when we lose people in January. So, fingers crossed, we don't have to make that decision, mainly. Um, Dan Neal and Jack Clark, especially. I don't want them to leave mid-season, that's a cert. Mm. I don't I mean, think any of them will leave mid-season personally. I think they're both sitting at the end of the season. That's my opinion, anyway. I hope mm. you're right. I hope you're right. I, I hope you're right, too. But for me, do you not think we'll lose one, Terry, at least? No. All, all to the end of the season. I think I think Jack Clark's got a good sort of uh, was it, um, relationship with Tony Mordway. I think he'll stay at the end of the season, personally. I might mm. be wrong. I might be just, I might be just hoping rather than... Uh, January, January is sometimes a panic buy window, though, isn't it? Somebody might come in yeah. the bottom half of the Premier League and want to high 35, want to throw 35, 40 million at them. So it might be tough. It, I think it all depends on the offers that we get. I don't think, I think we'll have our price with Jack Clark. Unless somebody matches that price, I don't think he'll go. So it, it all depends on how much someone's prepared to bid, in my opinion. Mm, I mean, Emma Hansen's throwing in a comment to like she's been on SFC Fan TV many a times before. Don't think Neil will go. I would say more likely Clark, given last transfer window, I think she's referring to Ross Stewart. But then again, Stewart, you could argue he's been a player that's been looking to leave for for a while now. And with Clark, whenever you interview, I mean, words in football these days with the money that's been thrown about means means nothing, to be honest. But he looks happy here. He loves playing under Mowbray. He loves the passion of the fan base. He he loves um, the importance of playing for a club like this. But yeah, it all depends what yeah, Clark, happens. Clark's the big fish, isn't he? Clark's the big fish. He, he takes all the penalties. He's doing really well, getting lots of game time. He can have to probably start every single game of the season. If he goes to another big club somewhere else, he'll not be guaranteed all that, will he? So... I think for me, he's but, better off stopping at this club until the end of the season. But Terry, I will ask you in terms of, I mean, in the summer transfer window, there was talk. I mean, Burnley, I think the highest they went with was it about 14, 15 million? That's the highest. I mean, they, they had about four rejected over that window. But what would his price tag be now, considering how well he started this I, I season? Can, I agree with Jack. I mean, if, it, if it's something ridiculous, like 30 million, they're not going to turn it down, are they? Unless Jack Clark definitely doesn't want to go, I can't see them turning thirty million down. So it's good. You've got to go. You know, you've got to you've got to be sort of ruthless in the January window. You've got to say, look, if you want to play, you pay the big money. You pay almost double the price you would do in the summer window because they're in the position where they need the players. That's why they're coming in for them. So you've got an upper hand. You can dictate what happens. Mm. Jack, would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think, like I say, most of the good deals get done, in my opinion, in the summer. So I think sometimes you see panic buys and I think you might get a team in the bottom half of the Premier League struggling, a bit of money, and they look at it and think, we'd rather throw the cash at it and potentially buy someone like that to score the goals to keep us up than not do that and then go down and then think, oh, we should have done that, you know what I mean? So you get you get all of that coming into it. So that's my only worry. We all want to keep Jack Clark. Absolutely, no one no one wants to keep him more than me. But there might be a, a sort of someone who comes in with a, a silly offer of a 30, 35 million rise and then, you know, what our board are like, I think they're likely to take it. But I hope I'm wrong. You say that and it's Burnley that are bottom of the Premier League and it was Burnley that was originally interested. 
Yeah, do, do you know what I mean? We, we've probably done it before when in, in January. I mean, Will Grigg was signed in January, wasn't he? I mean, I know he wasn't. In, we weren't in the Premier League at the time, but you know, you're desperate for a player, so you just you, you sign somebody. You you don't worry about how he's going to fit into your team or how you're going to play. Uh, you know how how much you're going to pay from. You just sign him because you think it. You know, you panic buy, and somebody might do that with Jack Clark and. If we have a price, then you know it, it might be it might be a good thing for us to say right thirty five million. Otherwise, he goes nowhere type thing. I don't know if he's got a release clause or anything. I don't know. Yeah, only time will tell on that one. But guys, uh, we're coming towards the end of tonight's uh, live stream on SAFC Fan TV. Um, the final comments to read on tonight's chat, uh, George Dean. I enjoy listening to all the crap on Thursday night. Keep up the good work, lads. Thank you very much, George. Um, Patrick's put hello, Terence. I think he's referring to the previous commenter on the chat, uh, James Nesbitt. Adil has made 81 appearances in League 1, so I think he'll be okay. And Peter Harvey, uh, 40 to 50 million for Clark. I heard we are looking at a Chilean player called Arvina. Um, it'd be interesting to see what developments um, will unravel on that one over the coming weeks. Um 77 people currently watching um if you are one of the 77 uh please hit the thumbs up button 53 likes so far we always try and aim to get to 100 and if you haven't subscribed please subscribe to safc fan tv um terry uh coming towards the end um if you've got anything to say um to our watchers tonight yeah just thank you for watching and enjoy your Sunderland free weekend a nice relaxing weekend <laughs> and minding Limelight it's just friendlies like you know more or less friendlies playing against them teams but yeah thanks for watching take care everybody <laughs> absolutely thanks for joining us tonight Terry Mike would you like to say bye to everyone goodbye enjoy or be depressed through the international break like I will be waiting for the next <laughs> Sunderland game um yeah and thanks for watching guys and finally, the man who likes to give the most uh, memorable goodbyes on a live stream on a Thursday. Jack, over to you, mate. Well, as I always say, thanks for watching, because if nobody watched or listened or typed and, you know, commented, it would just be four blokes just rambling on to ourselves, wouldn't we? So it's really the people that, that uh, get involved that make the show. So thanks for everyone. Um, and yeah, what the lads have said, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your weekend where you're not going to be stressed to the hilt watching Sunderland, as I normally am. And I'll see everybody later, lads and asses. Have a good one, everyone. As I always say, keep the faith and don't forget to like, share and subscribe to SCFC Fan TV.